Hello, my name is Julia Streets and welcome to Diversity Podcast, talking about equality, inclusion and diversity in financial services. On every episode, we seek to shine a light on positive progress, call out areas requiring further focus and offer lots of ideas to help drive change. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Jane Stiles, Amitess Chef. Let me tell you a bit about Jane. So from 2002 until she decided to take a career break in 2019, Jane led MS Amlin's investment business, where as CEO and CIO, she directed strategy, governance and operations for their award-winning global multi-asset multi-manager portfolios. She is also a co-lead of the Diversity Project Ambassador Programme an associate of the Chartered Financial Analyst Society of the UK and has an MBA at Cranfield. We're delighted she's here today. Jane, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Julia. Thank you for inviting me. Pleasure. And joining Jane today, I'm delighted also to welcome Mitesh Sheff. He is the Chief Executive Officer of Reddington. He was appointed CEO in April 2016 and he's described himself as being passionate about culture and much of his focus is on putting the right people in the right roles to do the right things in the right way. Prior to joining Reddington, Mitesh was Head of Fixed Income at Henderson Global Investors. He's also been an investment consultant at Willis Towers Watson, and he's a fellow of the Institute of Actuaries. Mitesh, thank you for joining us today. Great to see you. We're so excited to be here. Thanks, Julia. Wonderful. Well, listen, let's get straight into the discussion. I've been really looking forward to this. So I guess my first question to you both is, here we are, end of 2020. It's been an extraordinary year. What's your focus for the remainder of this year and then looking into next year as well? Jane, let me come to you first of all. Sure. Well, thank you, Julia. So my emphasis at the moment is the call to action from the Build Back Better report that I wrote earlier on in the summer, which is asking asset managers to seize this current change momentum to embrace inclusion and diversity as an enabler to build more resilient businesses within the industry and ones that are better aligned with all aspects of ESG. So that's from the CEOs as the champions of culture, but it's actually for everybody. Everybody can play a role as being an inclusivity role model by listening more, being compassionate, kind and curious about their colleagues. Also, I'm looking at the levers the influencers that can start to help to make change faster within diversity and inclusion. So that I'm working with a small group of search companies who have got a lot of influence at very senior levels to look at the barriers where companies may have good intentions, but then when it actually comes to hiring decisions, they don't follow through. And then the intention is to share best practice so we can start to get the momentum going. And also to work with the candidates as well, because it's interesting that a lot of female and non-white candidates, they don't want to make that leap to a new company because they've got political capital in their current company and then they need to be able to develop the trust in that new company. So that's why often on recruiting, it will be male candidates that stay the course and actually are the ones that end up being appointed. Also, I'm interested in the influence of the boards of asset managers and also trustee boards as well, where they can ask questions of their businesses and also 
along the line of the asset managers that are being used. So I recently wrote an article for the PLSA viewpoint on that, and I'm in discussion. And the PLSA being the? The Pension Life Savings Association, and it's called Viewpoint. It's on page 40, so it's not at the beginning, but it's on, it's on page 40. And then also I'm in discussions with the UK regulator about potentially running a session for boards on how they can use their influence to improve diversification in the industry. This is really interesting because certainly right now, you describe it so beautifully as the change momentum. I mean, it really feels like there is a galvanising moment in time. But of course, you know, there are many perspectives to come from. And what I love about your opening remarks there is we think also about the the pressuring dynamics around the question of diversity and inclusion. So the candidate point of view, the board point of view, the trustees point of view, we will also be getting into the role of investment consultants and also whether there is an, an awakening from the asset owners as well. So Jane, it's wonderful to have you on the show. And and it sounds like you've got a very busy 2021 ahead. Uh, Matesh, let me ask you the same question. You know, what what are you particularly thinking about at the moment as you look into what the next year may bring? Thanks, Julie. Yes, it's been quite a year, hasn't it? So starting off to build on what Jane said, building back better in 2021 is a real focus for us right now. We started working with our team in China to get them home and to figure out how to help them navigate COVID-19 very early on in 2020. And then as a result, we're very early in getting our people across the UK working from home and also helping them support our clients kind of very early through this. So we've done a reasonable job of looking after our people, of looking after our clients through some pretty uncertain markets. And right now we're looking at how and whether we need to reopen our office particularly for those members of staff who actually the prospect of a long and drawn out winter and not being really quite sure as to when we may go back fully to some kind of normal needs some alternative to working from home. So that's very much front of mind at the moment. But really what we're thinking about is what have we learned through this period and how can we build back better beyond this period whether that be in terms of attraction of diverse talent that we hadn't been able to approach in the past, whether they're people who won't necessarily come into the office or can't come into the office. That opens up a whole new pool of talent, all the way through to how we really embed the kind of smart working practices we've all learned over these last few months. The second area that I'm really focused on is we were fortunate enough to bring private equity capital into our business earlier in the year. So Phoenix Equity Partners took a majority stake in Reddington. And so we really have a really nice long-term horizon now looking forward and are thinking actively about how do we take the success we've had in the defined benefit pension space and defined contribution and our early successes in wealth management as well as out into kind of selling software as a service here in the UK and Europe and in China. And how do we expand that? So a lot of my time is going into thinking about talent, speaking to talent, and really planning and designing the organisation that we need to be in five years from now. And again, when you've got a long lead time like that, you can hire diversely really well. It's very hard to hire diversely when you need someone to hit the ground running next week. So that's really exciting for me. 
And the final piece you touched a bit on this on investment consultants, we've been very focused on climate change. For the past few years, we've been very focused on gender diversity. And the real focus and catalyst in the last few months has been on race and particularly black. And so we're really thinking hard about how we embed the right partners and processes through our entire attraction, retention of talent and culture. And it is very, very timely, you know, that, that, that obviously the conversation about race is incredibly important right now. And what's fantastic for the episodes that we've been and the conversations that we've been having is that it really feels like organisations are taking a very proactive action plan towards driving change, which is wonderful to hear you talk about that. But also the importance of just looking ahead and thinking ahead and, be, and having the, um, the luxury almost to kind of plan a talent strategy looking forward as well, which is wonderful. Lots to talk about, for sure. And I wonder whether we're going to do it justice in literally a, mat- a matter of kind of 25 minutes. But I do want to get straight into this conversation about build back better and Jane you were saying at the very beginning about it is about resilience and also thinking about uh, embracing DNI to make sure that organizations are resilient adaptive etc I'd love to get your thoughts about you know in the report and in your findings, you know, why are organisations particularly paying attention right now? Obviously, COVID is, is one big dynamic. And what should we be paying attention to? What's changing, particularly given COVID? So I think the resi- requirement for resilience is not specific to asset management or to financial services. I think it's every company. Now we have technology, we've got climate change and mentioned, we've got political landscape. All of those provide uncertainties. It's important for companies, therefore, to build their resilience to be able to deal with that because things are changeable and things are unpredictable. And the pandemic has only exacerbated that. It's now a lot more uncertain and a lot more fluid. And so plans, you know, people were planning to go back into the office and now we're not. It's, you know, so it companies really, really need to be agile. And also within the asset management business, we already were facing margin pressures, demographic impact on revenue flows, cost pressures from technology and from regulations. So all of this requires a very sort of agile approach and agility means resilience. If you've got a tree, you're very old and roasted, it will get blown over in the wind. If it's agile, it's likely to survive. Can you share some examples of best practice where organisations who are uh, are responding to everything you've just talked about. I mean, whether regulation, margin, people, product development, innovation, and they're going, we need to change our thinking. We need to think very differently because of the climate we're in now. And also the fact that actually, I, I think in financial services, we do need to just think differently. Any examples of best practice you, you look at and go, we should do more of that? I think a lot of companies have reviewed their purpose. Well, there's a lot, a lot of CEOs have, have done that with their businesses. And I think that's really important because that helps to provide a compass from which, you know, when there are different challenges approach thrown at you, then you know what it is that you will do and what you won't do. I think that's a very, very important. I think also companies are reviewing people strategies. We've, we've talked about you know, working from home and that is allowing a lot more flexibility. It means that you can attract different types of talent. For instance, people with disabilities who might not have been able to come into an office as well. And also, I think the conversations are being broadened out. So there's now with virtual meetings, you can include a lot more people. So people can feel more 
part of the decision making and you're getting different perspectives, which I think is very important. We are tapping into talent pools that you mentioned there about people with disability for whom, you know, travel into the city of London. And I I pick that as a specific place and point of a a location. And of course, that could be any city in the world for all our listeners around the world. This isn't just a London centric conversation. The point being that actually their ability to come into the office, of course, you know, uh, the fact that using remote tools can offer open up accesses and also talents around the UK and, and other locations as well. But I want to come back to this point you I was making in your introduction, actually, Mitesh, about culture. I know that's something you're very passionate about is creating the right culture as well. So I love, really love your thoughts about when you say that culture is important, you know, I, I guess my question is why? And also then we'll move on to any good examples or any areas you're particularly paying attention to. I think culture is fundamental. And I think all organisations have noticed this if they hadn't done prior to 2020 since the COVID outbreak, because when your staff are distributed around the world or the country in their own homes, relying entirely on culture which is how people behave when no one's watching over their shoulder and that's what's going to guide you know for us it was our culture that meant that everybody clubbed together to help each other and to support each other and to onboard new members of staff and to make sure that people were okay and to make sure our clients were okay those weren't instructions given from the top it's the the default that people revert to and that culture is built Yes, in times of difficulty, but usually much like risk management must be put in place before you need it. So I think culture is so important. And when I specifically think about our industry, whether that's savings and investments or financial services more broadly, I think it really matters in terms of, as Jane said, all the way back to why do we exist? If we only exist to make money for ourselves and our shareholders, well, we've probably got a bit of a problem there. And so I think you have to start there. And again, culture kind of oozes from that overall context because you can't fake it. And I know when we started talking and and one of the reasons you started this podcast, you know, wanting to see more progress. Well, we're not going to see it unless we fundamentally reevaluate what we're here to do. And we've got to recognize that business and financial services businesses and investment consultants like ourselves or investment managers have a role to play beyond making money. And we believe ours is to help make 100 million people financially secure. So for us, that's making 100 million people financially secure and bringing financial security is so fundamental in a world that is stable and secure to live in. So the climate matters and for a diverse group of people who may not have the same privileges at the start of their life or the same access is really, really critical. So we've got a real purpose to serve here and a real role to play over and above the money that we create and or make and or pay. And I think it starts from there and then feeds right the way into behavior and how we act. And my number one statement to anyone who'll listen really is the potential of our organizations to change is limited by our willingness as leaders to change ourselves. And unless we're willing to change our biases, our limitations, and not just be anchored by our stories and our experiences and our fears, we simply can't change our organizations beyond. So it starts from me as CEO, my executive team, and everyone who manages anyone in the organization. And that's slow work. It's one conversation at a time. It's creating a space 
where there is psychological safety, where people say, I'm worried, or I'm getting left behind, or I don't get this, or I disagree. And giving time to those conversations and helping people verbalize those rather than feel ashamed or rather than ignoring what you're saying and really creating a conversation that allows change to happen. And that's change that's equally true to diversity and inclusion as it is to climate change or as it is just to innovation and creating growth for the future. At the end of the day, organizations are collections of people. We're not machines. And so unless we can change, our organizations won't change and we can't create a different uh, society and world. There's so much in that. So I think about the episode that we recorded with the CEO of the FCA, who said, you know, we're looking at financial services or all the companies that we regulate. We, we look at basically their culture under non-financial conduct. So it is important because the regulator is looking. And this also falls under the senior manager regime. So people are looking at senior managers and saying, we have an expectation upon you to change and you are responsible for the culture. What I love about your comments there is it actually says, look, you know, here's some very practical things you could do. And part of it is a frame of mind, which is a recognition of the need to change and the self-awareness of limitations as leaders to go, I have biases. We all have biases. We always have biases. So, so to be really aware of that. So what I say to all, you know, all our listeners, particularly because we do have a lot of kind of rising, aspiring leaders and also existing leaders in the industry today, is that that's a very, very important point to, to take away from the podcast as well. So what I'd like to do now is I'd just like to move the conversation just kind of one cog shift on, if, if we may. Uh, and it builds on some of the comments that came out in the opening remarks about the role of investment advisors and consultants, the role of the end investors. And Jane, you were talking about you know, your article at the PLSA. Mitesh, I'd like to ask you first of all, so to what extent are asset owners and end investors awakening to the importance of diversity inclusion as a critical factor in driving investment performance? I think they really are. Uh, and one of the things that makes me quite hopeful is that for the first time in a long time after we've all been talking about this, we're seeing real sustained momentum and it's coming from all sides. As you said, the regulator is putting an emphasis on this. Leaders of organizations are making changes as a result of this. I'm seeing asset managers showing real willingness to make change, whether through the diversity project that Jane and I are involved with, or indeed through other initiatives. And finally, I think asset owners are recognizing the power and impact they can have through where they allocate their capital and what they're asking. Our experience with this, and we haven't historically had an active engagement policy, but we've really been in focusing hard on thinking through how we can engage to help asset managers and ultimately assisting our clients, the asset owners, really make change within their organizations. And that's on all three things, as I said, climate change, diversity, in gender diversity and race, specifically black. And for me, that comes down to not just a carrot and stick, you need to do this or else we won't invest in you or else we won't recommend you or else we won't work with you. It comes back to the same approach I take within my organization. We've got to have the conversation. We've got to explain why it's important. We've got to understand what your barriers are. And we've got to see that there's a real commitment to making a change. And then we can hold you accountable by saying, well, here's where we expect you to be in a year from now or three years from now or five years from now. But we've got to recognize this takes a long time. And it's not just something, you know, quick metrics and KPIs that we need to see in a quarter, because that's going to lead to the wrong and, and perverse kind of behaviors and outcomes. 
So I think it takes patience. I think it takes conversation. It takes empathy. But we've got to be working together and helping each other and shining a light on best practice and saying, here are ideas. I love hearing from other leaders on great things they're doing because I'm, I'm always scribbling notes down because they're, they just help you know what to do, even if you agree this is the right thing to do. And Jane, well, well, let me ask your opinion, because I, I know you chair a lot of discussions and industry conversation. And obviously, you know, we talk about the, the article you've written as well. Anything you'd add to and any other thoughts as well in terms of best practice that you've seen around any ideas you've scribbled down? So maybe if I can answer it slightly differently and say, well, there is a big, big focus now on ESG within investments. And there has been for a number of years, but it's growing. I think the really good thing is that that is continuing, whereas potentially people could have been distracted because of the pandemic, but that's, it's actually, and I think the terrible events that happened earlier on in the year and now with the Black Lives Matter, I mean, it has definitely focused people's attention on the social inequalities. And if asset managers are going to genuinely go into the companies that they invest in and say, we require you to, as Michelle said there, is to make a, you know, have a plan to improve all aspects of ESG, how on earth can the industry do that if they're not doing it themselves? So I think they lack that authenticity and credibility if they don't. And more and more, we're hearing people either make a case for or indeed bringing the diversity and inclusion conversation under the S of ESG as well, which of course aligns it with a really key area of discussion right the way through the investment industry as well. Well, I think that's a beautiful moment to bring in Cynthia Akinsanya, who has some research to support today's discussion. Here are the five key trends listed in the December 2020 People Matters article, where organisations will play a significant role amidst COVID-19. Empowering the female workforce, enabling a choice of location, rationalising setup costs, deploying tech-based initiatives and harnessing improved talent pools. During this uncertain time of layoffs, where many employees have lost their jobs on one hand and many companies have been hiring a lot of talent, this is a prime opportunity for companies to hire the best and most diverse talent with experience and qualifications. Thank you, Cynthia. And as always, the research is available on our website, diversitypodcast.com. Don't forget that's diversity with a C, not the Ness, diversitypodcast.com, where you can find all our episodes and can also sign up for early notifications of future recordings. Please do follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Diversity Podcast is available on Bright's Talk and all good podcast channels. And we'd love a rating because it does all help promote the show. So it's a question I'm asking everybody, Jane, and I'm going to come to you first of all, which is, I'm concerned. I'm concerned that as we go into an economic downturn, and as organisations have got different priorities, that there's a risk that diversity and inclusion can fall down the corporate agenda. And I'd love to hear your thoughts about why it's particularly important right now that diversity and inclusion remains high. Yeah, and you're certainly right that during the great financial crisis, then diversity and inclusion did fall down the agenda as the attention was focused more on cost cutting. I think we've discussed some of this already is that in an economic downturn and with the uncertainty that we we have, which exacerbates the uncertainty that businesses were already operating under, it's just really important that businesses build up a diverse 
group of talent who have got different backgrounds, have got different voices, who are being listened to. And that's an enabler. So it's not as if it's a thing to do because it's part of an ESG. This is a way that businesses can enable themselves to be resilient and to grow in a difficult environment. If we look at flows, there's a lot of discussion about flows from passive into active, but that's actually slowing. And there's three times more flows from active into active. So there is possibility for companies to grow, asset managers to grow, even in a difficult environment. So as I said, it's not a nice to have, it's actually an enabler. And I think companies of CEOs are are starting to recognize that. And so I'm actually quite optimistic that companies have, particularly in the asset management business, they have become more humanized. The fact that we now see each other's inside each other's houses and you know the, the the cat walking across the keyboard and things like that which I did have earlier not mine somebody else's earlier on and there is a massive momentum for change we've already seen what's happened with people being able to work remotely from home that's taken two days or a week which would have otherwise taken 10 years there's been a big shift in mindset there and we've talked already about the fact that now ESG is it's every aspect of it and I think that's it's a shift to really shift the industry to be doing good rather than just making money for themselves. And it's important, isn't it? Because I think in the conversations, all the conversations we have on Diversity Podcasts, we frame the conversation about diversity and inclusion in a commercial lens. So hearing you talk about, you know, the opportunity, the commercial opportunity that is on offer, even during a downturn, you know, is incredibly important, uh, which is wonderful. But but it's not easy. You know, this is not an easy conversation to have. And there are many who listen, who say, yes, no, I get it. I understand it. But it's just hard. You know, there are some things that either not sticking or I'm, I'm trying to tackle some some um, specific areas. If, if there were, you know, a few pointers or key words of advice you would like the listeners to take away of practical things that could be done we'd love to hear them well I'm a real action person and I'm inspired by hearing what people are actually doing and learning so let me share some of the things that we're learning and that may be useful for others I think for the first one I'd say it's about building bridges with empathy and this is about really listening and understanding different perspectives at our table. How do you practice that? Well, it's not enough to just bring in diverse talent. You've got to create a space where you're listening to them. You've got to make sure in meetings you're inviting a different perspective or inviting an encouraging challenge. But it's also creating empathy with different perspectives. So for example, just last month, we invited various different members of staff to speak to the firm in a perspective session to give their different unique perspectives on their experiences of COVID-19 and working through COVID-19. And we purposefully did that going into the year-end performance reviews because we wanted to help managers open their eyes and empathise to not everyone's perspective is going to be the same as theirs. And we do those all the time. So this week, we're hearing from some of our black colleagues about their experiences of growing up and working in the city as a member of the black community. So I think empathy and storytelling and really hearing and listening to each other and being willing to slow down our discussions to invite challenge would be tip one. Tip two would be it's all about experimentation. So we just somehow have to find the risk appetite to not just talk, but to try things because we're going into areas where we've not been before. 
Therefore, there's not going to be a book we can read or experience we can rely on. We're just going to have to face the fear of trying and failing and getting it wrong and admitting we've got it wrong and then trying again. And I think that's really important. And having an environment of, you know, where people hold you accountable and and also give you the the support to get things wrong, to admit your mistakes, and to to improve. And I think that starts from the top. You know, so I talk all the time to my firm about things we've tried and where we failed. Returnships are a good example where we've worked with them for a couple of years and we've struggled to really get the value out of returnships and provide something useful for those returners. Instead, we just offer permanent roles to women with gaps on their CVs rather than those kind of internship, temp to perm internships, which we've struggled to make work. So experimentation is kind of number two, just try it and learn and be agile, as Jane said earlier. The third thing is the one I touched on before, please start by working on yourself. And that's about being more open then we feel comfortable being. It's about making time to have conversations with the people you struggle with the most, that you disagree with the most, that are most different to you, especially those that maybe have been quiet because they're feeling ashamed or they're feeling left out, whether that be in our organizations or our clients or our, the asset managers we're dealing with. And then really key to that is showing a commitment to listening and being willing to change yourself because people aren't gonna be open. If you're just listening to tick a box, you've got to be willing to change your position as a result of that conversation. So those would be my three things. Build bridges with empathy, start with experimentation and work on yourself. Well, we love practical advice, practical insights, but we also love industry perspective, deep consideration about some of the dynamics and some of the drivers around that. And I think we have covered all of that today. I can't tell you it's been the most fantastic conversation. Thank you both so much for taking the time. Jane, thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. It's been great. Thank you. Pleasure. And Mitesh, thank you very much indeed. I've enjoyed it so much. Thank you. And as always, to all our listeners at Diversity Podcast, thank you for tuning in. And we look forward to the next episode coming soon. This episode of Diversity Podcast was produced by me, Kieran Yates, on behalf of Julia Streets Productions. Thanks to Cynthia Akinsania for her insights. You can find out more about the guests on this week's show on our website, diversitypodcast.com. And that's diversity with a C, not an S. Whilst you're there, you can also sign up to our newsletter for all our latest updates. All our episodes are available in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast app. If you enjoy Diversity Podcast, remember to share on social media and give us a rating or review. It really helps promote the show to a wider audience. Finally, our Twitter handle is at DiversityPod. Thanks for listening.